this season of Advent, we're going to start a new uh, teaching series uh, for Advent in preparation for Christmas, which we're calling Christmas from the Margins. And uh, we're going to be in Luke chapters 1 and 2 throughout this series. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to the book of Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. Uh, vamos a estar en las Escrituras hoy en el libro de Lucas, capítulo 1, versículos 5 al 16. Um, so um, I'll be reading for us in English, but you can go ahead and follow along in your heart language, whether you're at home or here in person as well. Um, live streaming or live here with us. Let's open up now and hear with our hearts and our minds and open ears to the word of God from Luke chapter one, beginning at verse five. And it's in the projector screen right behind me as well. And it should be on the slides online. Luke one, verse five. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the, uh, the Lord's commandments and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Verse eight. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord, this is Gabriel, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this Christmas season. Te damos gracias, Señor, por este tiempo de Navidad. We thank you for this season where we get to reflect, meditate, and prepare our hearts for your coming. You came into this world, Lord, in order to save us, in order to bring us back to yourself. Through your humble presence, even in the form of a baby, you began the eternal work of salvation for all of creation. Today, Lord, would you just amaze us with that truth? We've heard it many times, but would you just amaze us with it once again by this story where you do extraordinary miracles through ordinary people, people just like us. 
do your work in and through us, God. It's in the faithful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So through this season of Advent, as we're preparing for the coming of our Lord um, in December, we're going to be reflecting on the Christmas story from the margins. What do we mean by that? We're going to be identifying and learning from the supporting cast and the people that help make the greatest story ever told. That's often what the Christmas story is referred to as the greatest story ever told. But it didn't just happen with those three main characters, with Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. God used different characters, supporting cast, uh, circumstances, situations, context, background, to bring about the greatest story ever told. We're reminded in Luke here, especially as it starts with telling us the story of Zechariah, of uh, Elizabeth, and John the Baptist, we're reminded that God works through the margins. God works in the background. God works through the remnants. That's actually a, a word that is often used to describe the way God works and who God chooses in his work. God chooses what's called remnants. What are remnants? Remnants are those who feel like they don't belong those who feel like they have no value in the world. But God uses remnants, people like you and me, to fulfill his extraordinary purposes in the world. The story of Christmas is the story of God with us, which is often uh, described as just Emmanuel. That's what the word Emmanuel in this Christmas season literally means. God with us. God comes down to us in the messiness that is the human experience. This morning when we got to pray, we got to pray over our service, but we also got to pray over the world. All the challenges in our country, in our world, all the messiness. And that's very fitting to be able to bring before the Lord in the Christmas season, because even in the first Christmas, that's what God entered into. He entered into the messiness of the human experience. Today, we can still invite God into that, into the messiness of our own personal human experience or whatever we want to bring before God. In Luke 1 to 2, we see the story of how God entered the world through Jesus Christ, the one true God, the one in whose image we are created the one who made us for himself. And in Christmas, we actually celebrate an extremely important moment in the history of salvation. And it's something that maybe we've heard before, or maybe we haven't, but every single Christmas, I bring it up once again to remind us about it. That during Christmas, we actually celebrate something called the Incarnation. The incarnation, again, big word, but that is simply, it means that God became human in Jesus Christ. The incarnation means that God shows up, that God takes initiative and he saves us and he restores that broken connection that we have with him because of sin, because of separation. God does something about it and he steps in to our story. 
The Gospel of Luke here begins the Christmas story by going through what is called a genealogy or the family tree of Jesus. And I'm really excited because next year we're going to be going through a series on the family tree of Jesus, which I'm very much looking forward to. Doesn't that sound like a Bible nerd, like excited about a series on genealogy, right? Yeah, all right, me and, me and Pedro are excited about that. Let's do it. He's going to teach half of it. Let's do it. Um, but we look forward to that next year. But here we see the gospel writer Luke then goes on to tell us about the announcing of the birth of John the Baptist. He actually tells us about that announcement before the announcement of the birth of Jesus. What does that mean? It means that the mighty work of God through the birth of John the Baptist, that will be surpassed by even a greater miracle by the birth of Jesus Christ. God is doing something greater through someone greater. Yet we cannot understand the announcement of the birth of Jesus without first learning about the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist. What's Luke doing here in this passage? We all know that Jesus is the main character. Jesus is the hero of the story or the protagonist of the Christmas story. But there are a variety of people a variety of families and situations that God uses to bring about the birth of Jesus. To bring about the greatest story ever told, God used unlikely people for extraordinary purposes. Yes, we, we celebrate Christmas because it's a fun holiday. Who doesn't love the Christmas spirit? It's a fun holiday, and it's very special throughout history and throughout the world, but Christmas points to a huge event in the story of God's salvation, and we cannot overestimate how important Christmas is because Christmas points to this event of incarnation of God coming down to us. And just to be clear, the Christian, the, the, our Christian faith, the gospel then and today is the claim that God has taken action. God has done something that has changed all of human reality. God has broken into history and has begun the work of restoring all of humanity and all of creation back to himself. He's come in to be able to free us, to free us from the bondage of guilt, of sin, of death. The gospel, the good news of God affirms that this moment, this invasion, this encounter with God, Emmanuel showing up, it's not just a general thing, but it is particular. This encounter is specific. It has a name, place, and date. The name is that of Jesus Christ. The place and date are given by his lifespan here on earth. In fact, today we count it um, and uh, as 2021 for a number of reasons, but because it is specifically referenced by the event in which God entered human history in Jesus Christ. And this gospel event called the Incarnation or Emmanuel, God with us, this, this, this truth, this Christmas miracle is either 
complete madness if we actually think about it, right? Or it can find its simple explanation in the fact that it is true. Yes, it is true that the God who created heaven and earth actually loves us. And that this same God has an essence, and the essence of that God is unconditional love toward us. To believe in this good news is to believe that we can now know and truly connect with God because God has taken a step toward us. God has showed up in Jesus Christ. Christmas marks really a beautiful collision, a messy reality, to be honest, a beautiful collision of heaven and earth, of time and eternity, all wrapped into one story, into one moment, into one event. God shows up. And as we place our faith and our trust in him, God shows up in us, and we are empowered to show up for others. That's part of the gift of Christmas. En la Navidad celebramos que Dios está con nosotros. Emmanuel significa Dios con nosotros. Ese es el motivo de la Navidad. So just a little bit of background on the Christmas story and on this moment of incarnation of God coming down to us. The Gospel of Luke, as we read earlier today, it begins the account of the Christmas story up in the hills of Jerusalem. And the hills of Jerusalem was a place where the ancient Old Testament prophets, they actually said that God himself would come to us one day and establish his kingdom in all of the earth. And it's in this city, in Jerusalem, there's this temple run by the priests. And one of the priests is named Zechariah. Zechariah is working in the temple, and then he has this vision that completely shocks him. It actually scares him. There's an angel by the name of Gabriel. Yes, the name sounds familiar, because that's the same angel that came to Mary. But oftentimes we forget that the angel Gabriel first appeared to Zechariah. He came to Zechariah and the angel Gabriel announces um, something similar to what he did with Mary. Gabriel announces that Zechariah and Elizabeth will have a son. And that son's name will be John. Who we grow up to, he grows up and, and because of his ministry comes to be known as John the Baptist. So what is this all about? Why doesn't Luke just get to the point already and tell us about Jesus, right? It's like the Sunday school answer or church answer, right? When we don't know the answer to something, the answer is Jesus, right? Just go to that. It'll never fail. But Luke doesn't do that. He doesn't just go to the quick answer. He begins with context, with background, with, with what seem like secondary characters. Why does he begin the Christmas story with all of Jesus' ancestors? And then why does he tell us about another holy family that the angel Gabriel actually came to before Mary, before Joseph? What's Luke doing here? Luke here is pointing to a giant story a story that is much bigger 
than just him. A story that is much bigger than just one family. Luke is pointing to the fact that God has been at work throughout history and leading up to this moment of the Christmas miracle. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're, they're very old. And at least the text tells us they've never been able to have children. And remember, in those days, children were not only to be loved and raised, but children were actually a very practical means of security, of social security for the future. Children were also a way to be able to leave a legacy. Luke here is making a connection between Zechariah and Elizabeth. He's making a connection with Zechariah and Elizabeth and with another ancient couple that came many, many generations before them, a couple that we learn about all the way back in the book of Genesis. Who knows the name of this couple? It's Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah were in the same situation many, many generations before them. They were promised a great future with many offspring, but they were unable to have their own children. What we see in the story of Abraham and Sarah, as well as in the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, is that God hears our cries. God is with you. God hears those prayers that you pray silently, sometimes just in your heart when you say, God, I would love to, but I just can't. What is that for you in your life? God hears your prayers. He hears the cries of Abraham and Sarah. And by his grace, God gives them a son named Isaac. It came in an unexpected way, in a way that they didn't plan, but it came. With this family, with this family, with this promise, is how the entire story of the ancient Israelites actually began in the Old Testament. So then there's this connection. The connection that we're seeing here between Abraham and Sarah, the promise that was given to them, and the promise to Zechariah and Elizabeth, the connection is this, God is still up to something. God is still up to something significant, something real, something miraculous for his people once again. God is not done. He has done it before. He's done the miraculous before. He will do it again because that is the God that we worship. I know that all of us here can relate to that. We can relate to Zechariah and Elizabeth. We have experienced disappointment. I know that you've experienced discouragement in the past. So did they. Yet God provides a way. God provides a way every single time. That's who God is. That's what he does. In those prayers where, that you have, that you've cried out to God, when you say, God, I can't, so God, you must make a way. That's part of the Christmas story. The Christmas story gives us faith, gives us hope, because it reminds us 
that God makes a way, that God provides breakthroughs. God provides miracles. Miracles are something God does and we can't explain because if we can't explain it, then God didn't do it because that's not what a miracle is. I love how here at Imago we have the rhythm of having testimonies. We've had several testimony services this year and we hear stories of miracles, of God at work. Yeah, it may not be so flashy. It may not, uh, you know, be sound um, super, um, uh, you know, uh, magical, but miracles are when God provides a way every single time. Friends, brothers, sisters, I want you to hear this Christmas message. God always makes a way. He has done it before. He will do it again. Whatever you're going through, wait on the Lord. Trust in the Lord and see God make a way. As he's done it before, he will do it again. The angel Gabriel here, he tells Zechariah to name his son John. Then he says that his son John will fulfill the promise given by the prophets in the Old Testament that John the Baptist would come with a purpose and that purpose would be to prepare the way. John the Baptist would come as the, pre the one who would prepare for the people, the preparer for the people of the world to meet their God in Jesus Christ. The main role of John the Baptist is to prepare, to announce that God is on his way, that God is showing up. And sometimes we can think of John the Baptist and just think, oh, well, that was a secondary role, so it didn't really matter that much in the history of salvation. No, but John the Baptist had such a primary role of being the one to prepare us for the coming of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but whatever your passion is, whatever your skill is, whatever your discipline is, whatever your gifting is, I have come to learn that preparation is everything. In fact, performance can sometimes be overrated sometimes, but preparation can be underrated. Preparation is what makes the way for the performance or the moment or whatever we want to call it. In fact, in our lives, in our passions, in our professions, in our careers, in our art, in our, in our skill, God actually gives us more time to prepare than to perform. Perhaps it's time that we learn to see God at work in all of the preparation of our lives whether with work, with family, or the daily grind, the daily routine, the chores that seem so boring or monotonous or repetitive, all of those practices, all of that is preparation. And preparation is holy to God. Preparation is good to God. Preparation is not just filler or wasted time that will one day lead to the moment. 
or to the performance. No, but preparation is where God does some of his greatest work in and through us. So friends, brothers, sisters, may we be alert and open to whatever God is preparing us for. How about you? In the beginning of this Advent, in the year uh, toward the end of this year, it's been a tough two years and we'll see what the year to come is going to be about. We'll always have faith, we'll always have hope, but I want you to ask you yourself this question. What is God calling you to prepare for in this season? What is God calling you to prepare for in this new year? Perhaps God's calling you to prepare to go the next level in your relationship with him. To mature spiritually. To go the next level as a leader, as a disciple, as a discipler. To go the next level in your self-care to go the next level in your emotional health, in our church health as a body, to go the next level in your family health, in your family care, in your family stewardship. Maybe God's calling you to prepare to go the next level relationally, whatever that would look like in your life. Perhaps you're an adult or a young adult. God's calling you to prepare to go the next level in your career, in your work, in your responsibilities. That's the question for each one of us as as we're in this season together. What is God calling you to prepare for? What is he calling you to prepare for in this time and in this season? The greatest story ever told, the Christmas story, began in a simple way. It didn't even begin with the main characters. It didn't even begin with Jesus, with Joseph and Mary. Instead, it begins with the supporting characters, Zechariah, Elizabeth, and John the Baptist, who prepare the way. Those who play a primary function in the story of salvation. So when you ask yourself, what is God preparing you for? I want you to also remember that what God has called you to, whatever work you have, that your work is your witness. I have to pray that every single week. week. Remember that. Your work is your witness. You may feel like your work is secondary work or secondary service. It's not as holy or not whatever that is, whatever that means. We see here in this passage that all of it matters to God. Whatever you work on, whatever you're preparing for, whatever you, where, where you serve, please be assured that God uses all all of our work, all of our preparation can be used for God's glory and for his greater purposes. There's all kinds of work that is holy in the sight of God. You can sell houses to the glory of God. You can raise children to the glory of God. You can provide health care to the glory of God. You can teach, mentor, write, counsel all to the glory of God. You can build your business to the glory of God. You can do ag work to the glory of God. You can be a veterinarian to the glory of God. You can be a teacher to the glory of God. You can be a student all to the glory of God. None of it is just secondary. 
Remember, all supporting roles play a primary function in God's story of salvation and redemption for all people and all things. You know, there's a lot of things that even in a church we can take for granted and think that they just happen, right? We can think that the setup here at the church, that it just happens. No, but we have servants, we have, uh, we, we have people that serve in ministry that actually step up into that role. Brother Pedro and little Pedro here last night on a Saturday setting up for us to have worship. Eris Johnson on a Thursday setting up our signs to make sure the cameras, to make sure people at home can worship online. Coffee, hospitality, it doesn't just happen out of nowhere. Children's ministry requires preparation, media, tech, communications, our worship team. They don't just come up here and wing it. Every single week they prepare to be able to lead us into worship. They coordinate, they pray all for the glory of God. Remember, friends, brothers, sisters, what may just seem like background work, that all serves a primary purpose. It all serves a primary purpose in God's kingdom. It all matters to him. It's all part of the same goal, part of the same mission. Back to the passage here, the angel Gabriel first shows up to Zechariah and Elizabeth. And it's Zechariah and Elizabeth that prepare the way for Mary and Joseph. God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. God has a plan in place and he was using all of the pieces to bring together something greater than what anyone could think of or imagine. God uses an ordinary family going about their ordinary lives, doing their ordinary work to bring about something extraordinary. That's who God is and that's what God does. Zechariah and Elizabeth here, they're examples to us. They're examples of true discipleship. They didn't need to be front and center. They didn't need to be spotlight. But they prepared the way. And we remember, and we've talked about this before here at Imago about discipleship, but there's a difference between truth as knowledge and living truth. Sometimes people that have a lot of truth as knowledge get a lot of opportunities up front and all of that. But what Zechariah and Elizabeth had was they abided in living truth. They believed and they trusted God without fully understanding. But they said, yes. Yes, God, we will prepare the way. We don't know for what, we don't know for how, but yes, we will trust without fully understanding. That's true discipleship. That's next level faith. The role of Zechariah Elizabeth and John the Baptist, their role was to prepare the way. Our role in this season of Advent is to prepare our hearts for the coming of the Lord. May we be reminded that God does some of his greatest work in what feels like just times of waiting and of preparation. 
That's where God is up to something great in our lives. You know, I think about a very um, profound example for me of where God prepared me for a moment, and I had no idea. And God uh, prepared me for years for this specific moment that I started navigating um, uh, in the last two years. But I've learned that, especially in these last two years, that strength is shown through honesty and vulnerability. And I've had many people help prepare me in becoming the man that I am, in becoming the pastor that I am. And in those years of preparation for me, which now have been many years, over 10 years now, I've had many people help prepare me in becoming a pastor, in becoming a minister, a leader. Most of the time I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I always had this friend, his name's Jim, who would care for me and teach me whenever I needed him. Jim was, and still is in many ways, my pastoral mentor. He's one of my heroes in the faith. A lot of what I have learned about preaching, about pastoral care, about leadership, I have directly learned from Jim. But then, in 2020, stuff hit the fan for my friend Jim. Jim went through a crisis, through a personal crisis, a family crisis, and even a crisis in his calling. The one who had affirmed me of my calling was no longer sure of his own calling, and it shook his entire faith. It shook his confidence. Jim was no longer sure if he was fit or called by God to lead God's people in any way anymore. And I remember in this call in um, the end of last year, and we've been talking a lot this year, he came to me, honest, broken, and vulnerable. And I realized in that moment that all of those years of preparation of God using my friend Jim to prepare me to be a pastor and a shepherd. All of those years that Jim carried me, all of those years were for this moment. God prepared me so that I could carry my friend Jim when he most needed it, when he had no one to lean on. By God's grace, I can step in and carry my friend in the same way that he carried me for all of those years. How about you? What is God preparing you for? This Christmas, may we abide in the truth. May we trust even when we don't fully understand May we believe that God is at work and God is doing something great even in those times, even in those seasons that seem like they are just times of waiting and times of preparation. All of our waiting on the Lord has a greater purpose in the Lord. None of it is in vain. Nothing is ever wasted for God. God used Zechariah, God used Elizabeth and John the Baptist to prepare the way 
for the coming of the Lord. And just like God used them, God will use you. Because all preparation has a purpose. May we be open to God's purposes in and through us in this season of Christmas. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. Your grace goes beyond all measure. We thank you, Lord, because you go above and beyond any expectations that we may have. The gift of Emmanuel is greater than any gift that we could ask for or think of. We pray, Lord, that today you would make your word grow in us. Make your word grow through us, through the power of this Christmas miracle. During the Advent and Christmas seasons, Lord, we celebrate that the word became flesh, that you showed up, God. Help us, Lord, to show up to life, to show up to others in this season, Lord, as you showed up for us. Lord, may we trust that nothing is wasted, that you can use it all, those seasons of preparation, those seasons of waiting, those seasons of dis disappointment, of discouragement, of uncertainty, you can use it all for greater purposes. You bring it all together. Receive our hearts this morning. Receive our deepest desires this morning. Receive our entire lives when we surrender. Holy Spirit, we pray that you continue to shape us and mold us into the people that you created us to be, Lord, into the men and women that reflect Jesus Christ in our lives.
love you, we give you all the praise and glory, and we entrust them into your hands, Lord God. Help us to continue to carry them, Lord, as they serve so many of us here in this year to come. We bless them, and we pray your Holy Spirit over them. It's in the faithful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. 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 Let's give them a round of applause. Friends, it's been such a joy to be able to worship today and to just be able to see God at work in so many ways, in worship, in prayer, in preparation. And as we conclude today, uh, just a couple of reminders, we do have our Christmas party, our gathering here this coming Thursday, December 9th at 6 p.m. You're all welcome. Come and enjoy. Dinner will be provided, and it can even be a moment to invite others as well especially want all who have served, who have led, who have contributed in this year in any way to be able to come and be a part of that. That means all of you because that's a part of who we are here at Imago. And um, just a couple of reminders, next week we'll be having our Christmas concert next Friday uh, in collaboration with our partner church, Sunrise and Tulare. But uh, everyone, go ahead and take a few moments to fellowship immediately after service. As we go out from here, would you receive this blessing first in Spanish and then in English? Que el Señor te bendiga y te guarde. Que el Señor haga resplandecer su rostro sobre ti. Y que nuestro Dios te dé la paz y la sabiduría que buscas. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious toward you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you the peace and the wisdom that you seek. Amen. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ.